0: Today's story is about cultivating ownership at every level throughout an entire school district.
1: When everybody's pulling, like Missy said, custodians, teachers, administrators, students, top to bottom, when everybody's pulling the same direction, it just puts us at a different place to where we really are meeting the kids' needs, especially in the local school.
0: What does it look like to make sure everyone is involved and has a stake in the education that students are getting?
2: That became abundantly clear that... Focusing on student voice and student ownership of their work was something that we needed to work on.
0: It's the podcast for leaders in K-12. We bring you stories of people who are meeting the challenges of education in the 21st century head-on in creative and exciting ways.
1: We're more connected than we've ever been. And, and I don't mean that just in our build. and There, there are a lot of different strands of that. Uh, I think we're more, I know we're more connected with our students. We're more connected to one another because there's just, there's power in in working on the same thing together.
0: From Frontline Education, you're listening to Field Trip. My guests today are Missy Brooks, Director of Instruction at Mountain Brook Schools, and she is joined today by Donald Clayton, who is Principal of Mountain Brook Junior High. Missy and Donald, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Mountain Brook is a suburb of Birmingham, Alabama. It's a tight-knit community. Lots of people who grow up there wind up coming back after college. Mountain Brook Schools serves about 4,300 students, and the schools are a real centerpiece of the community. Today we're talking about how to build a culture of ownership within a school district among all stakeholders. But the first question really has to be, what do you mean by a culture of ownership?
2: What we mean by that is we want everyone that is a part of our school district and even our broader community to really feel a a part of our district, our school district. We want students to own their own learning and to be advocates for themselves, and we want to bring forth their voice. But we also want teachers and administrators, custodians, CMP, central office staff, every single person that works in this district to feel like they are a huge part of this district
0: and more than just being a part of the district they're working to make sure every single person in the district understands and is invested in how they impact the education that students receive what what kinds of things do we see in a school district when there isn't this culture of ownership i mean what is it that this is going to really bring uh, on a day-to-day level to uh, to what it is that you're doing with students
1: well i think what it a big thing that it brings is just the continuity and the unity of investment because it, it you know it, it sounds cliche sometimes but when we're when everybody's pulling on the same values and the same beliefs of what upholds our kids and sets them up going forward when everybody's pulling like missy said custodians teachers administrators students top to bottom when everybody's pulling the same direction it it just puts us at a at a different place to where we really are meeting the kids' needs especially in the local school.
0: So tell me a little bit about the connection between leadership and ownership. I mean what what have you found about equipping people to take on leadership and ownership?
2: So one of the things that we've done recently is To build, put in some structures so that everyone can see their place in the district. And when I mean place, I mean the investment in and how important they are so that we can achieve our purpose. So, recently, a matter of fact, February, uh, February 15th, we did this. We had a kind of a state of the district where. Our superintendent talked to us about all kinds of things, just trying to be very transparent, letting everybody know, like the financial situation of the district, etc.
0: Missy said that one of the things they wanted to work on was staff cohesion. They wanted to encourage people to get out of their silos, begin working across departments. And in order to do that, they just wanted to help the staff get to know one another better. They divided up the entire staff, teachers, administrators, custodians, librarians, Everyone who's a full-time employee into 32 different cohorts, each one having conversations and doing activities based around getting to know one another and the district's purpose statement.
2: We identified facilitators for each cohort and we put them through a training and by design, we intentionally did not select anyone in a leadership role, meaning a principal, assistant principal, district staff. Those people were not facilitators and that was intentional. So we had administrative assistants that were facilitative leaders. We had um, our head custodian at the high school. We had a bookkeeper uh, from one of our elementary schools. We had some teachers, of course, in there. And we spent some a while training them on the activities of that day. And then they were the ones that had to lead the cohort. So it was a very light day. Uh, we did things like when they first got in the room, they had, everybody had to line up without talking in order of years of experience in Mountain Brook and so then everybody kind of said well here's what it did and then some people were like well I've worked like for me I've been in Mountain Brook this is my 11th year in Mountain Brook but it's my 28th year in education so I've had a lot of other experiences and and you got to share that just to see who was in the room and it didn't really matter based on you know your job in the district it just mattered how long you've been here
1: our group was actually led uh, by one of the school nurses, and, um, and she just did a phenomenal job of facilitating and giving everybody an opportunity to get to know each other. It was really interesting for me because there were several people in the room that I already knew. But when we're in those conversations and I'm asking these questions like, what are your favorite movies? What's the last one? And I, I got to know them differently and better and it was it was just a great opportunity to connect across the district you know I, the, all the schools and all the departments are familiar to me when you start getting a chance to to interact with people from those from all of these different departments it just um it just makes it that much better it gives more life um to the whole group
2: uh, and then we did something called a uh, uh, we laughed because it's kind of like speed dating, but it was really just like a one minute interview. So we lined up in two lines and we had random questions. Like if you could give advice to your middle school self, what would that be? Um, if you could take a vacation and time and money didn't matter, what would it be? Where would you go? What would you do? And so you had a one minute conversation with someone just opposite you and and you shared that and then you switched and you went down the line. So uh, you got to speak to everyone and have these kind of conversations so that you really got to know something about the person. Um, so, so these
0: are, are cross team, cross department. It's not yes. like the custodians all in their cohort nope. and then, okay, great. So everyone's talking with everybody else.
2: Yeah. Everyone's talking with everybody else. And so in my cohort, for instance, I had a CMP uh, manager. Um, I had some very first year teachers who had, this is their very first year of teaching ever. I think we, we had an instructional aid. Uh, we had someone who had been in Uh, the district for 25 years. So it was just very random how it all kind of came out, which is, was the intent. And so you get to just meet everybody with that. And then finally, we did this activity. It's called um, quick lineup. And basically you, you line up in four lines to kind of make a square and you hook arms at each line, but the lines aren't hooked together, if that makes sense. And as the person in the center turns, then they have to quick line up and get back in the formation that they needed to be. And the whole idea behind that was, you know, when we move, we ultimately have to move together to, to meet our purpose, but we might do it in different ways. And who was the leader in that move? And, and why did you let that person lead? And those kind of conversations of just to get a sense of we're all in this together and we're all heading on this journey together this way. You know, and it's okay if we get there in in different times and uh, different pathways, because that's what we need to do. And each school needs to have their own personality and each job has their own specific role. So that's that's kind of what we did. And we, we shared out those kinds of things. And I think it was really positive.
0: Missy wasn't the only person to feel that way.
2: I actually had the head custodian tell me. He said what was amazing about that is there was such commonality within all of us. And that's what we wanted them to see is that we really are all working toward the same thing. And we all have a purpose. Dr. Barlow, our superintendent, took some uh, custodians to lunch after that. He saw them in the parking lot and said, hey, why don't you come to lunch with me? And he said when they got in his car, they sat and talked about how amazing it was and how they were so excited to be included in this particular endeavor that they really felt like they were special and they are special. Um, he said it was really neat and it was very powerful. And we've had a lot of, of comments like that of, that was so awesome. Everybody was included. It was fun. We got to meet people. One, one person uh, who is a, an instructional aide said, fairly new to the district. And she said, I'm so excited because now when we have big meetings like this, I have someone to sit with, which is pretty powerful.
1: Yeah. And I can add to that too, and that we have a conversation of input. And I have seen, I think it's really neat People look for input. It seems like people look for input in different ways. And, and, you know, leaders can ask great questions to get input. But having opportunities like this to input your personality, um, input who you are into the whole organization and find connections within it, that's an input that I, I probably didn't see I thought those things just happened naturally, but you know, being intentional about it, like Missy said, it's a great way to get just this different layer of input. I think the one leaders are trained to do in getting ownership is asking the right questions and pulling thoughts and ideas um, about where value is from from your people. But having opportunities for people to offer themselves as input—that's a—that's something I hadn't really seen before. But I can tell there's a lot of fruit from that.
0: I asked Missy and Donald, what was the catalyst for focusing on ownership and leadership at Mountain Brook? What made them say, here's an area we really need to devote some time and resources to? And Missy said, as they began having conversations about their strategic direction, they not only realized that they needed greater staff cohesion, they also needed to involve students more in the mission of the school.
2: We had no idea that we didn't listen to our students at the level that we thought we were listening to our students. And having students in the room, that became abundantly clear that focusing on student voice and student ownership of their work was something that we needed to work on. The activity that we did, we uh, had someone from the Selecty Center come in and and kind of leave this for us. And so if you're familiar with uh, Phil Schleckte's work, he has this chart and it says all of the different people that have a part in the school, from the community to the parents, to the students, teachers, administrators, central office, all of that. And then it's kind of a rubric in that he gives a description of where you fall. uh, And he talks a lot about being a bureaucracy versus being a learning organization. And we want to be a learning organization. And we had talked a lot about that over the last five, six, seven years of the learning organization kind of part. What came out in this conversation was when we were asked to where did we think, and it was a group of like 80 something people. And we were each in tables and each group had to kind of put where they thought they were. Where, do, where did we fit on this rubric with all of these different groups of people?
0: There were students in the room for this exercise, and it emerged that the leadership considered Mountain Brook more of a learning organization with regard to student input than the students did.
2: Our students considered themselves tokens. Like, you you have this, and so, yeah, you're going to invite a student, but you're not really going to pay attention to us.
0: It was a turning point for student voice at Mountain Brook.
2: You know, that's kind of what they thought, and that was a big aha for us. We got a lot of insight from the students in the room, uh, it, it was really interesting because Dr. Barlow spoke to one of the young ladies who was in the room and at the state of the district in February, I guess this was two years ago, he brought her on stage and interviewed her about her experience with the group for the whole you know, district. And she said, I felt like I was the most important person in the room. I mean, you guys listened to what we had to say. And it was a very powerful moment. And I think we realized at that point by just listening to them that we weren't really listening to them. We thought we knew what was best in their educational career. And, and we do. We are the experts in it. But it, students can be more engaged if we listen and we give them those ownership pieces. As
0: Mountain Brook worked to give students and staff more ownership of the district, they also began to revisit the district goals, taking a fresh look at the vision.
1: I think we wanted things, goals that really we could grow in as opposed to things that had kind of Mm -hmm. become expectations for us. Right? right, you know, like recruit and, and retain. That's an expectation that we're going to do that well, and it's it's something we focus on. But we wanted areas to where we could turn the dial up on certain knobs here and there, and actually grow in them and put a unified focus on them. Um, and that's that's what this process gave us was some pretty clear things that we could turn the dial up on and and see growth in. And and what I love about them is. They're also things that require everybody. We're talking about getting ownership. When you have goals that require everybody' invol- everybody's involvement and their input, you're going to get a whole lot more growth out of that.
0: I asked Missy what this all looked like at the district level. What was their overall methodology? What were the broad strokes that they tackled before getting specific at the building level? And first, she said she needed to grow in her own learning about what they were trying to do with student voice and ownership. One of the staff development specialists at the junior high school, Holly Martin, brought a bunch of great information back from a conference, and together, Missy and Holly went to every single school to cast a vision.
2: The hard part for a lot of the teachers was we didn't come in with a definition, you know? And some teachers were like, well, we, how do we know if we're working toward this if we don't have a definition? And I was like, well, if you look, you know, if you Google that, there are numerous definitions. So we need to contextualize this and make it Mountain Brook. When we say student voice, what do we mean? And so the whole year was really uh, um, information gathering from all the schools. And at the end of the year, last year, I asked every single school, if you could define student voice right now, what would you say it was?
0: They collected input at each school and then got a group together over the summer to look at the commonalities and define what this would look like at Mountain Brook.
2: And then at the beginning of the year, I went to every school and said, here's the definition. But before we did that, I gave them all of the comments from the year before, from all the teachers in all the schools. And I said, here, go highlight the common words and phrases. And so as they saw the common words and phrases, then we put the definition up. And we said, what common words and phrases do you see up here? And they were all reflected in the definition. And I was like, so this is our definition, and we all had a part to play in it. We all had a piece.
0: They also collected student input, and they're working through that data right now. And at the school level, they're working with teachers to set goals that include student voice. A lot of teachers are really jumping right into it.
1: I've had teachers that want to survey their students. whether that be something in class with what they're doing or it's a conversation with a pullout of a group of kids, and do it uh, regularly and just kind of track the trends and see what are what are the types of things they're saying about would be best interest for their everyone's learning or their learning in the class. And so we get a chance to have conversations all throughout the year about kind of where they are and their goal um, as what they're wanting to do. And it's, it's like any goal, you know, you have successes and then you have some that just didn't go the way you want it but regardless right it's not a failure I mean it's our friend feedback is our friend and so regardless of what step we're in in the process or how it goes it's telling us something because we're kind of in the sandbox of what works what's meeting our kids needs how do we engage them and how do we use this this piece of student voice to do that in the classroom so it's It's been something that's been very good and and that's really permeated through the building because of the things that Missy's been able to do, um, but also because we've. it's a school goal. And then so everyone has an individual goal uh, or a team goal um, within it that they're working on specifically as to where they are.
0: The junior high has two school-wide goals, one of which is around student voice, and another is looking at balanced assessment. People tackle them in different ways. And Donald said that they use learning walks to measure where they are in reaching their school goals.
1: Which is really great because... It's the people who have agreed on what the definition of student voice is and what those pillars are going in and looking for signs of those and then sitting down, pulling back and talking about it. And while they're doing that, they're getting more ideas of how they can do things in their classroom across disciplines, across grade levels. Again, it's a process and it's, you know, it's one we're in in the middle of but have already seen exciting marked steps along the way that uh, just are in the best interest of our students.
0: I wonder if there are specific classrooms or teachers or even students or groups of students that you could uh, tell me what it's looked like in a concrete way. Are there any stories you can tell of, you know, even just picking one of how this has played out?
2: I can think of one at your school. Okay, (laughs) Um, Ann Carter Finch. And I actually did a blog that was asked to be a guest blogger for, uh, Alabama best practices. And I used Ann Carter's, they did a book of choice and they had all these different things to do with it. And so then she basically had students complete a evaluation of that. And they got to put an input of why it worked and why it didn't, what she could change the next time they did something like this. So there was that, there was also, um, a group of seventh grade teachers who said, hey, you know what, let's teach this book differently. And so they asked the students, what do you need to, le- to do this book? And some of the students said, well, we, you know, I already read this book on my own. And so could we read another dystopian novel and do a comparison between the two? Uh, some people said, we really need you to read this with us. And then some people said, we want to do kind of a book study on our own and then ask you to come in when we have questions. Uh, and of course, everybody had the end game of what they needed to learn about this. And so the students were allowed to put themselves in their just right place. And that really worked well, I think.
1: Yeah. And I can give you another one. Um, and we had an English teacher um, who had done a specific process year after year as far as grammar diagnostic and kind of seeing where they were. Because he he really was strong in his beliefs on on how do you embed that in in certain ways. And but early in the year, he had through conversation with his students, he had he had realized that they didn't they weren't seeing as much value in it as he had seen in the process. So he really opened up a conversation with his classes about let's talk about how you need to learn this, how you can show the ones you master and what you need to work on. And the students end up essentially designing how they would go through grammar. Um, and kind of what things he would do, and so he took his process, and there were pieces of it um, that obviously he kept, but the students ended up designing a lot of it and and really got to a point where they were very excited about it because it was theirs. Excited about grammar. (laughs) That's right, right? That's great. Students excited about grammar
2: is hard to do.
1: Yeah, and that, that was really, that was a really neat thing to see on two levels. One, that they were excited about it, but another, that you know, he was comfortable enough to say to them, what do you need? Let's co-create this and and put it together and, and see what we can do. And I, I think there are, I know there are small examples of that all throughout the day. And there's more, more comfort with that across our entire school building.
0: Students have also been involved in evaluating and redesigning club structures within the school.
1: And I'll tell you, we we pretty much, the team that was leading our structure for clubs, we pretty much let the kids design that, you know, what the, what the club structure is going to look like. How do we get a list of clubs kids are going to um, be involved in? When do they meet? How often do they meet? When's the best time for them to meet? We, we really had them involved in building that structure. We also have an activity period time during our school day. It's a common time for kids to get intervention or study more or work with groups or get some more help from teachers. Um, and we had, we had found out from talking to our kids and, and putting that particular period, under the spotlight that they thought it was too early in the day, that they wanted it uh, pushed back a little bit. And so they pretty much drove that conversation about moving it back, which we did this year. And it's, it's been probably one of the best things we've done. And so there's a micro level, but there's also a macro level of that conversation too about the structures within our building that they feel like they can be a part of and have conversations about, hey, this would be best for us holistically.
0: This is the kind of thing that uh, it sounds great, but I know it's not necessarily what people tend to default to, right? This, this takes intentionality and work and purpose, like you said. What kind of leadership training did you give to teachers? I know that you want this to spread from teacher to teacher. So how did you equip your teachers to spread this throughout every building?
2: Well, I think them hearing the same message at every single school. And, and I think the teachers, when, when we created the definition and they saw the process of how we created the definition, and then looking back, they could see how everything that we did that first year in exploration contributed to the definition. And some of them very specifically, you know, had things that they said that were in the, in our definition and descriptions of the pillars and things like that. So I think just building that sense of, oh, my gosh, we all did this definition. Like, this is, not, this is not something that's being pushed down from the district. These are our words. And I think that gave some ownership to them, too. So that's the other thing, is in order for teachers to be able to give students this kind of voice and this kind of ownership, we have to listen to schools And we have to listen to teachers and they have to know that they've been heard. And I think that's what kind of happened with that. And the teachers really did feel heard. And when they saw those common phrases and common words appear in the definition and how common those things were across the district in every school, I think they felt empowered and they really felt like, you know what, this definition is ours. It's not something that somebody has given us. And so when you build that kind of ownership then they tend to take it. And so there have been a lot of rich discussions about it at every single school that I've gone to, which is all of them. But um, that part has been neat. And just to open up and hear, you know I'm not going into your school for uh, a gotcha or to check on this to make sure that you're doing it. I'm there asking questions and listening to stories and saying, hey, I found this research and I want to share this with you. Let's go through this and then let's have a conversation about what does this mean for you? And that has been really neat because it's not me coming in as a gotcha. It is a collaborative experience. And so that's where the individual professional development, the differentiated professional development comes in. Because while I'm saying the same things and the same messages getting across to all of our schools, it's done in a very different way. And I work with the school administrators to make sure that it fits in with what they are already doing in their building so it doesn't seem like an added extra from the central office.
0: Looking back, what would you say all of this has meant for Mountain Brook schools? I mean, can you give me a before and after picture of how is the district different today from before you began this work?
2: What I think that this has done is given us something to say it's not just about the test score. It's about the whole kid. It is about investment. It is about all these other things. And we need to look at that as well. So what it has done for me is it was really created this shift of we have to do this and we're looking at test scores all the time to make sure you know, that we are doing what we need to do, whatever. We still do that. Don't hear me say we don't. I mean, that is a part of what we do. But the focus is, is really become on you know, the students and on the cohesion of this district. And so it creates a different atmosphere when you go into the schools. As as far as my interaction with the schools, it is totally taken down that whole central office school kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, central office is here. Oh, my gosh. It's not. And I have teachers that will email me saying, hey, I'm doing this in my classroom. Would you come see? And I'm like, absolutely. And that's really cool. So it's like that that barrier has been broken down. And I also think the schools are more we're all on this pathway. And I use the the, the idea of like a highway, or you've got their sides there, and we're the guardrails. We're not gonna go outside of this, which is what the district kind of sets. But in the middle of that. They can get there, how they need to get there with their faculties and with all the people in their buildings
1: we 're more connected than we 've ever been and and i don 't mean that just in our build and there there are a lot of different strands of that uh, i think we 're more i know we 're more connected with our students we 're more connected to one another because there's just there's power in in working on the same thing together but on a goal that has where you have to lean on one another and each other's strength I think we're also more aware of the talents and the skills that that are in our district and in particular in our building and that's not just with our adults but with our students and, and seeing our students as individuals who can help the learning process Who have ideas about what this looks like, that's a big step. And that's a neat place to be at to where everybody looks at students as resources as well and, and data points to help figure out how do we get to the next goal? How do we get to the next place? I mean, it doesn't matter who I run into uh, across the district or who anybody runs into. We all have a pretty common thing that we're working on and, and we can launch into a conversation at that point. And, and, and same thing uh, around our entire building. You know, we've always, we like to hire professionals and that do their craft really well and put them to work. and um, And they go do some amazing things. It's really neat when all of those professionals who are great at their craft are, are pulling on the, on the same goal, because we just we grow so much faster and so much better.
0: Okay, all of this sounds great, but it's a lot to bite off. Where do you even begin?
2: I think you've got to have a point person, and that person has to learn, but not learn by themselves. You know, it can't rest on the shoulders of one person. So, I mean, ultimately, um, people kind of see me as the student voice person, but I can tell you that I couldn't have done the work without so many other people, uh, even with the cohesion goal. I mean, I picked a design team because one person can't do it on. And I think that would be my biggest takeaway is yes, it's a huge ordeal and yes, it's a lot of work, but you can't do it by yourself and you shouldn't do it by yourself. And that's, that's the key. It's like, it's not a one man show and it's not something that is handed down from the district. You have to build the capacity on that grassroots level and, almost let it flow upward, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I think you have to start with everybody at the table talking about what you believe. And that can be what you believe about student voice, about ownership, or what we believe about what we do at the school. When you're looking for somewhere to start, the first place to me to start is who all needs to be at the table and then let's let's open this up and let's start talking. To me, when you do those, when you we bring something to people with a skill set and different vantage points in your building, um, pretty amazing things happen.
0: Well, we have been speaking with Missy Brooks and Donald Clayton of Mountain Brooks Schools in Birmingham, Alabama. I'd like to thank both of you for joining me today.
2: Thank you. Thank you.
0: New episodes of Field Trip are released every two weeks. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. Subscribe and you'll never miss an episode. So whether you're in your car, at the gym, or doing the dishes, you will always be able to hear the latest from people who are doing incredible things in education. And if you like it, we always appreciate reviews on iTunes. Field Trip is a podcast from Frontline Education. Frontline's industry-leading software is designed exclusively for K-12 and is built to help school systems recruit, hire, engage, develop, and retain their employees. For more information, visit frontlineeducation.com slash fieldtrippodcast. For Frontline Education, I'm Ryan Estes. Thanks for listening and have a great day.